Hello, this is Lama from Beirut.com. Welcome to Beirut Buzz, our new podcast where we talk about everything happening around the country and just topics that we find interesting that we hope you find interesting too. With me today is Talin. You guys will recognize that name uh, if you're a follower of Beirut.com. She is one of our editors and content creators and she's here today to talk a little bit about her experience of being a Lebanese student in Germany as well as a topic that's very near and dear to her heart which is misogyny, sexism. So let's get started. Hey Talin, how How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good. Um, if you are readers of the website, that you'll recognize her name. Um, she's been a writer with Beirut.com for, I want to say five months. I think so, since January. So yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to jump right in. So you used to study in, uh, in Berlin, right? Uh, in Dusseldorf, actually, yes. I was and there for nine months. And then you had to come back because of the banking crisis? Yeah, there was a big issue with the um, dollar and I didn't want to put my parents through that. So I came back. I continued with LAU. So what happened? Like the, the one day just they stopped allowing the money transfers and then did somebody from like administration come to talk to you and say... We're so sorry you're Lebanese or something. Uh, the thing is, when you go to uh, Germany, you have your bank account set up for an entire year. And I had a certain amount in the bank account. As soon as they started to run out, I was left with barely a few scraps to let me survive like a few more months. So uh, when I tried uh, to get money from Lebanon from my dad, it wasn't working. Um, all of the cards I had, like my, um, for transactions, I couldn't make any transactions anymore. I, whenever I went to the grocery store, they, I can't make transactions because there aren't any funds available. Oof, um, so, so I had to be in contact with, uh, the embassy so they could help me get an emergency flight back to Lebanon through like the COVID, uh, flights that were happening in May. because I didn't really have any other option. So I felt like it was best to just come back and just transfer everything back here. This, this really rough. So did they pay for the flight? Uh, no. Oh my <laughs> they told God. Us, uh, they told us we would have a student discount. And I ended up paying maybe like a thousand like euros. Like double? Yeah, because we had to pay for two seats on the flight because of COVID regulations. And I did end up sharing the seat right next to me. So I just paid for someone's seat, basically. Are, are you kidding? It was kidding? Really a disaster. It was a disaster. So I, I like listen to um, stories like yours, you know, like you had your kind of educational path planned out and you went to Germany, you were learning so much and, you know, engrossing, um, becoming engrossed in this new culture. And then like literally Riyad Salemi decides that no, uh, no, not for Tal you, <laughs> not for you. Talin can't do it. Bring her back. It feels like that. I. I know like it's way more complicated, but it kind of feels like that, right? It kind of feels like a bunch of these crooks, like the warlords and the bankers literally were like, mm, we're going to fuck it up. We're not going to fix it. And fuck it, like fuck their lives. They could just come back. Like you're stuck in this loop, no matter how, how far you think you're going. Like hatta, even if I did continue my education, I was going to run through another brick wall at some point and I'd have to, have, like, to come back. Uh, whether it be for my family or any other reason. So um, 
it was honestly like one of the hardest things students had to go through Halfatra. I know so many people that left during the same time I did and they also had to come back because of the same reasons. But alhamdulillah, I was lucky enough to be able to enroll on time with LAU and continue um, my education. Didn't have that's, to a, that's a really nice outlook. I mean, personally, I would kind of, I feel like I'm such a, um, how do you say, like I'm somebody who holds such a grudge that I would have camped outside the outside name. <laughs> I, I feel like I would have done something crazy. Like I can't with this kind of injustice. Living in Lebanon at this point is so difficult because of these daily injustices that are just happening and we're just expected to take it on the chin and adapt and mold and and we, like we've gotten really good at that. But at the same time, it's it's inconceivable, you know? Yeah, I get it. Like being abroad, like just watching everything roll out in your country, not being able to do anything, come in like that. That had its fair share of, uh, like it took it such a huge toll, come in. Like I left a week after the revolution started, and everyone was like really mshajjaw. Everyone paid bshajjaw, and like for the first time, everyone was really trying to do something. But I had to leave. So the entire time, it was like an issue of homesickness come in that made me more or less okay with coming back because I got to see my family we'll be back with Taura everything's gonna go back to normal um, it's been it's been maybe a year since yeah exactly what today is exactly one year since my flight my flight was on May 6th oh wow so it's been an entire year since I've been waiting for things to go back to normal oof um, what was that like I, I would want to know like um You said you left right when Thawda happened. It was October and November that Lebanon kind of overtook um, global media. There was so much attention on Lebanon and everything that was happening. Um, were you were you the type that was like staying in tune and in touch or were you completely disconnected? No, I tried my best to stay as in touch as possible. I tried to always like be engaged in politics and all of the news, everything that was going on in Lebanon, because I didn't want to lose touch with that when I, when I left. Because you don't stop being Lebanese as soon as you leave the country. As hard as we try to let go of everything, it's really impossible. I think that was probably my biggest issue when I left, like being so hung up on what was going on, specifically because there was a revolution going on. Uh, I think that's what uh, really made it so much harder for me to uh, stay in Germany. Um, when I knew there was a flight back, I just, <laughs> I bought the ticket. But a second thought, I just bought it and came back. Because um, you just feel like like you're really missing out. Like at the time, had I known it would have ended this way, maybe I would not have made the decision. But yeah. right now, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm fine now. Yeah, no, no, you just honestly don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, we're we're like stuck every day, and there's like I think a thousand possibilities every day of how this could turn out. And I think that's what the most um, kind of confusing part is because I have all my childhood friends are left the country at various times. So some of them five years ago, and then some of them a couple of years ago, and then I find that they're in this. Um, always kind of wait and see where you know they want to have a project in Lebanon but they're not quite sure when the right time is and I think Thauda also was so 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 momentous that um 
I had friends who wanted to fly back for Thauda and they did because they felt like this is it. This is the turning point. And if we're not there, it's going to be awful. And um, so I literally had like two people who flew in and went to the protests and we were all on such a high that the crash afterwards was so severe. We got like a huge like hangover almost because everyone was so hopeful and and so I can't imagine what it was like you're in Germany your your phone is blowing up with like all these pictures and you know pe people doing the unthinkable like they're cursing this guy on the street and they're going up to this guy's house it was it was so 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 um how do you say um uh, just, you just feel left out yeah you feel left out and you feel disconnected and you just want to be home and then when you're home you're like fuck this kind of sucks because uh, I, I didn't really have time to like adapt to what was going on. I was supposed to get my visa in September because uh, universities in Germany start on the 1st of October. I got the visa on October 28th, so I was like already a month late and they told me on a Friday and the Monday after I had to go get my visa and Wednesday was my flight. So I didn't really have time. I was so like um, invested in Thaura and what was going on and trying uh, to make the best out of everything. And then suddenly I was told I had to leave. So it, it came as a really big shock, just having to leave in the middle of everything and feeling like you could have been part of something that big that was going on. Um, so it was really heartbreaking. It was really difficult, especially like when you come across Lebanese people abroad in Germany. They just they they were so disconnected from what was going on. Maybe specifically the people I knew there. They just didn't want to have anything to do with Lebanon for um, in terms of like their future. They wanted to be part of Thaura. They did it in their own way. But as much as I was invested it never felt like they had the same energy maybe because i had to leave all of a sudden um but it was really difficult to adapt yeah um i i can kind of relate to being disconnected i find that in a way it's like some people say it's worse being here and then others say it's worse being abroad and being um you know having to stay in touch and i feel like being abroad and being hit by these kind of news headlines all the time it's exhausting unless you make a conscious effort to disconnect and be like, I'm not in Lebanon right now. I cannot, I cannot be listening to what every guy is saying and, you know, what the protesters are doing. Because it became like um, micro coverage almost, you know. So yeah. things that happen every day were were covered on such a, such a blown up scale, you know, like people gathered under this building. And it's like... Routinely, these things would happen. People would gather. But because there was such a media focus on Lebanon, um, which, of course, I was very happy for. And I was very disheartened afterwards when there was no media coverage. Um, everybody kind of just agreed to drop it and say, fuck it. Let's just keep these three people in, in power and we're not going to do anything. Um that no. عم بيصير قصص كثير بلبنان ونحن عم نشوفهم عم نقطع بيناتهم وفي يعني او تسكير طرقات او في ناس عم بيجربوا يعملوا شيء بالوزارات وهيك وما حدا عم يحكي عنهم. Um, very consciously it happened. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do understand these people who are abroad and who just want nothing to do with the news. It's exhausting. 
It's very tiring, especially like our fatra of Thawra. There was a lot of coverage in Germany because apparently Lebanese people are are infamous there. Because they're obsessed with our food or something that they really wanted to broadcast what was going on in Lebanon. But any news site or channel that I opened up that was German, they would be talking about what's going on in Lebanon. And um, like no matter how hard I tried to just get out of it, uh, something would always pop up, whether it be Lebanese friends or like people from Lebanon contacting me, telling me what's going on, or Twitter or, or even German uh, channels, they were broadcasting everything. But I think the thing that like uh, hit hardest was being on Lebanese Twitter and trying to um, be engaged with what's going on and being told that you're diaspora, you're abroad, don't get involved, this is no longer your concern. And I, I think a lot of people that were living abroad had to go through this for a while because they uh, they kind of invalidated what it was like to, to be outside of Lebanon and see everything going on and really being heartbroken because you can't be a part of it. I mean, I I agree. I think that's still going on. Um, so, when you see people on Twitter, they put something like, "It's haram because it's happening to people in Lebanon." They say, "Hey, are you enjoying uh, Massachusetts?" But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I feel bad. I'm kind of one of these people who's like, uh, like I don't mean either be here or there, but it's. I don't think I would have felt that way towards you. I feel like it is a particular subset of people who have a political opinion where it's like, if you are, it's very specific. It's the fact that if you are somebody who su- supports this regime, then you should be here because you should be living the ramifications of everything they've done. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I got it. Yeah, but if you're like if you're somebody who opposes the regime, then I'm so happy to have you chime in and stuff. But if you're gonna sit abroad in your nice areas with your fucking metro and your fucking sandwich shops, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. But you know, if you're in a place where you're going to be very nice and very nice, and you're going to tell them that the Auni or the Uwet or the Hariri, whoever, all of them are incredible people and we should respect them. Like, okay, fucking come live with them then because exactly. you you don't know what it's really like until you're here. Yeah, that's the problem when there are people that are actually disconnected and they try to reconnect, but in all the wrong ways. And I think that's the issue when you see someone that's abroad, you just automatically assume that uh, this is their intention. So what's the uh, German obsession with the with the food? I think it's shawarma. Rightfully so, Yanni. But the Lebanese shawarma in Germany is, is horrible, horrible. It's oh, not shawarma. It? It's good, but it's not shawarma. What is it? It's khibaz it's, what they think is garlic. I don't think they know what garlic really is. Okay. It doesn't so like, taste anything like shawarma. Like a kebab or something. Like, I think they're, they think it's Lebanese, but they make it in a Turkish way. Mm. That was really, really disappointing. Yeah, I never understand that because there are so many Lebanese people um, in Germany. Uh, I understand part of it is like the produce and the spices, but yeah. we're fucking shipping uh, drugs across the countries. We can't ship a <laughs> kilo of spice. I, I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. 
Yeah. Um, so when you when you were abroad, did you feel like you were the type that was mostly befriending Lebanese people and Arabs? At first, I tried to not befriend Lebanese people and Arabs. I wanted to like stay away as much as possible. Because Why? I, I didn't want to be... Um, associated with uh, I know this is wrong but like being associated with the stereotypes that that were present in Germany uh, I tried to stay away and I also didn't like I'm going to a country where there are things that I can do that I probably couldn't do in Lebanon um, I would have preferred not to stay connected to people that are still hung up on uh, what they think is acceptable so um, there's uh, things that uh, Germans couldn't give less of a shit about and it was so so like refreshing to be able to feel like the least bit of freedom um, whenever I spoke about something uh, that I couldn't couldn't really express so um, bravely if I were in Lebanon if, or if I were talking to someone that was Lebanese or Arab because they do um, withhold this little conservatism or like and they create their own little community and I didn't like leave Lebanon to go sit in a little Lebanon outside of the country yeah I get you so why is it that you didn't want to be um, associated like are you talking about the stereotypes of being an Arab um, and what that There's means that. Um, it's it's just being Lebanese in Germany because not a lot of people know that the biggest mafia in Germany that Germans hate is Lebanese. You're so kidding. I feel like they just have yeah they just have a real dislike. Like whenever I introduce myself to someone and be like, "Hi, I'm Lebanese," and be like, they would just step back for a second, and be like, "Lebanese." And I didn't know what it meant at first until someone, one of my friends actually told me the biggest mafia that everyone dislikes in Germany is a Lebanese mafia. Oh my so God, like what did they do? <laughs> freaked me out at first. First, they were actually a little um, scared, maybe, because they probably thought I had an association with uh, uh, whatever this mafia was doing there. Hold on, um, I'm Googling it. I'm seeing what... Oh my God, if you just type in Lebanese ma... It does Lebanese Mafia Berlin. Exactly, that's the one. <laughs> it was kind of annoying. Like at first, I didn't understand what was going on. But then, whenever my friends, my German friends, would introduce me to other people, or when they talk about me and I wasn't there, and they'd be like, "Oh, she's Lebanese. Are you sure that's okay?" Ooh, it got like really oh. annoying at some point, and that's when I actually started looking for more Lebanese and Arab people to speak to. La, I know. Um, you just feel disconnect on both sides. Oh my God! So they do, uh, they do like grand, like like theft. So a um, <laughs> hundred kilos of gold coin and uh, what the hell? Oh, a huge coin? I'm not understanding this. Um, they also run various areas of Berlin, and. Um, oh. <laughs> This is really rough. So apparently they arrested them in their 18, 19, and 20. And to me, that's like, how is that a mafia age? Like, you're just a child. Uh, okay, well, it's nice to be famous, I guess. <laughs> Keeping the name clear. Send you this picture. 
of the um, Lebanese clan. Apparently, a TV drama Four Blocks in in uh, Berlin. And I, you know I started this? watching it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it was actually a little, a bit too hard because it felt so accurate. Like the characters were all like true to like their Arab roots and they were speaking uh, correctly and they were cursing the right way. So it felt, it, it really hit hard. The, they would, where they were like able to represent it so accurately. And I kind of felt bad that we just had this horrible reputation. like in to look for Lebanese people, but like I wasn't so disconnected from uh, like the German community there. Oh, it's it's. I never knew this. We're learning this together. I mean, you already <laughs> knew it, but I thought like the the reaction that I get when I go to Europe and then I'm like, oh, I'm Lebanese. They're like, oh, Lebanese, like. And then they'll say something super cliched and I don't mind it. Or some people are like, oh, I visited Beirut. I love uh, blah, blah, blah. So it's all good. Um, but I didn't know we had uh, we had this rep reputation. I thought we had like a war reputation, which completely makes sense. But uh, at one point, there were some Europeans that asked me if, if we lived naked in the jungle and went to school on camels. Um, but that was also really surprising. I think that's worse than... And being known for, for having the hugest mafia in, in Germany. Um, it was I really like that um, jungles and, and camels are coexisting in this. It had like basic geography, they're not aware of. <laughs> uh, well, much love to our German listeners because we have so many. Um, we have none. <laughs> um, so, the next thing we're going to talk about today, we, we kind of went off topic, but. Um, I think we can come up with a smooth segue into the next um, section, which is first I want to hear about like um, you're a young woman, obviously, and then you grew up your entire life in Lebanon, right? Yeah. And then when you went to Germany, I'm assuming you felt within quotations freer. I did because it was it was like a different different things that they felt were were okay and acceptable and whenever i told them these things were not as okay where i'm from they would be a little bit surprised but then again it is the stereotype so they'd be like oh okay it's fine um you can do what you want here akid within within limit like the limits because i'm doing also some conservatism or uh overall in a at least when um, I would present myself as a woman, I would not be as concerned with the, uh, like uh, experiencing sexist stereotypes as badly as I would in Lebanon. doesn't mean they don't exist there. They're still very sexist, just not to the certain like, same extent. Like in Lebanon. Yeah, it's just, it's different um, flavors of sexism everywhere. So um, in Lebanon, we suffer like deep institutional misogyny and ra- and um, sexism. Uh, I don't know if I said racism before. I was supposed to say sexism, but my brain is a little wonky <laughs> today. Um, but I'm talking about sexism in Lebanon being this kind of dual uh, force of institutional and very societal. And um, I don't know if this is still the case that like women can't open bank accounts for their kids without the husband signing off and all of this stuff. Um, I would have to look into that, but that that's on the institutional side. Of course, along with everything else, like... Um, getting your paperwork done and having it all be like either your partner your spouse or your dad or something like that and uh 
all of that and then yeah, even like permission to travel um passing down nationality what's this issue with the permission to travel um when i uh submitted my application i needed like uh permission uh like form that my dad had to sign on to make sure that i'm leaving with his approval even though i was uh i was 19 at the time so i was a legal adult i still had to submit the uh Like the permission form. There's no legal adult in Lebanon. There's male or female. But like you, you yeah. are incapacitated if you're a female. Um, I wonder what age that expires. I would guess like 21, but I, I'm really hoping because I don't think that's true. But yeah, things like this, it's so ridiculous. And then you think to yourself, you know, because I know you on a personal level, I know how you think. You're probably like outraged that your dad has to sign this thing. But at the same time, you really want to get the fuck out. Yes. So you're like, fine, I'll fucking sign the thing because you don't want to make a statement. Yeah, that's it's it's really annoying. Like you have to deal through these things because you're really forced to, and you just want to get this over with. I know, like, you just feel like this is really not going to change, especially like when it's institutionalized. You feel like it's like it's inherently there. It's really going to be way too hard to remove within the time span that you're going to be like and alive and well. Uh, you just feel like you have to deal with it to get over it. But like on the social level, I can still say and do what I want to what I want. Just when it comes to legal things, Yeah, well, I want to talk a little bit more about like on the societal level because And I came in, I had this kind of notion, and oh, the new generation is super flexible and open-minded. And I hate using the term open-minded because it um, it suggests that it is some form of like on-off switch. Exactly. It's like something you put on in the morning. Yeah. And just, yeah. uh, but, you know, for lack of better word, that there is a faction of, of people who really believe in gender equality and really shun sexism and stuff. And then I realized I was in such an echo chamber. I had effectively alienated everyone um, who didn't think the way that I think out of my life. And it's so evident by the way I... Uh, like lead my personal relationships um anyone who that i get like a whiff of this kind of misogyny from i completely shun from my life so i'm not surrounded by it at all which is also very dangerous because i've gotten to a point where i've forgotten that it exists until i'm faced um face to face with it you know yeah i completely understand because anna like for the most part When uh, when in school, like people used to think I was a feminazi, they would call me that because I was always like very vocal about these things, and I would try to like compel people or like convince them that um, I'm not making this argument to, to like turn the whole system into a matriarchy. Um, at some point, I just stopped trying. And that that actually hit a lot harder than I expected it to be. Because I'm not going to be putting so much effort in trying to change people. So I also started shunning, like started shunning everyone that did not really um, agree with me or just uh, wasn't on the same frequency as I was. And at the same time, whenever I confront the issue, I've been so separated from it. For the, like the longest time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same for me. But so I want to go back to like uh, the feminazi issue because I feel like there's um, a growing trend and I'm purely basing this off of one thing I saw on TikTok. 
so I'm clearly not a very uh, credible source. But I, I, this is this is how I'm seeing things. I'm seeing that there is a um, group of of uh, people and women in particular that have become very allergic to this kind of um, feminist left wing identity and they've gone so far to the other side just to make a point so we call these pick me girls if you've heard that term (laughs) and uh so you have all these really educated so this is not something where we could say no oh it's an educational gap or anything like that it's people that hang out the same places we hang out it's just it can be chalked up to a difference of opinion but what i would chalk it up to is this complete rejection of um an identity that has been contorted to be so stereotypical and so ridiculous and not rooted in anything real that it has taken on a new life of itself. So you have um, the Pick Me Girls, an example of what they would do or say or is like, oh, I'm a woman, but I'm so against uh, women having body hair. And I think it's disgusting. And honestly, you should shave. So regardless of everyone's personal habits, the idea behind saying something like that is to A, vilify um, women who have worked really hard to fight gender norms and to help you not be based on your grooming habits and not have you be assessed um, as to whether or not you're shaven or or not. And, and we can talk for hours, I think, about how this is all part of um, controlling women and keeping women, da 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 This Like, we've heard all these uh, arguments. Yeah. Um, but this particular subset of women comes exactly as a reaction to what you said about being quote-unquote feminazi, where you're standing here and you you are put on the offensive, or uh, defensive, rather, where you have to sit there and be like, no, I'm not, I love men, and you have to prove, you know, you like men, and you have to prove that you don't fucking hate all men. And I've gone to points like, fuck you, I hate all people. Um, <laughs> You're all terrible. And why am I defending you? Why am I wasting my time here? Uh, pick me girls in particular are like a whole type of breed. I know sometimes I do try to sit down and try to understand like the point behind what they're doing. And like really, what what is it exactly? Is it because you want to feel like you are you have a different standpoint? Is it because you actually want uh, male approval? Because I've seen different types of girls uh, that indulge in this really toxic behavior, and I still can't pinpoint what exactly they're trying to get out of it. It's it's so tiring to have to deal with with Hikmanet, and then it's it's. The girls in particular that are like this, but on social media or or in front of uh, certain groups of people, they'd be all about body positivity, all about uh, letting women do whatever they want to do. But then they show this whole other side of being a pick-me girl and just, just adds layers and layers of being so much worse. I mean, what is it that they want? I have no idea. I've, like I said, I alienate everybody who's remotely like this. Um, So I don't know. Maybe there is value in like branching out and kind of hearing what it is they have to say. But I feel like every argument that's made on that side is, you know, oh, feminazis and, and, um, you know, 
women that are that have taken on this role of like feminism and have become so extremist you can't say anything anymore and everything is so insulting and not everything is about the patriarchy which is all well and good you can you can argue that sure not everything is about the patriarchy many things are an overwhelming amount of things are i would say um but um is is it has it gotten to a point where quote unquote you can't say anything i don't care in particular i think that you, this this came up during the me too movement like oh men can't even give women hugs anymore it's like first of all why the fuck are you going around hugging people <laughs> what is what is wrong with you that you feel like you can no longer hug someone and that you don't know the difference between a hug and rape if you are finding the line between those two things blurry then take a good look bro um and even when it comes to compliments like some people would some men would genuinely argue with um like being on the street and being catcalled is uh, is like just a compliment it's supposed to be a compliment and they'd be like oh we can't even compliment you anymore we can't tell you look you look good anymore um, and it's just it's frustrating that um they they really don't see the difference and um at this point um We're, we've tried so many ways to show them the difference and um, even uh, argue with uh, why why it's all men, even though this is like a whole different uh, topic that we can segue into. Um, yeah. Just trying to convince them why we say all men and it's not not all men and that hashtag is completely useless because um, when you feel like you are put in a situation where you feel like every single man that's going to come your way is, is potentially harmful to you and is not going to understand the difference between what is acceptable and what isn't, then you're definitely going to just be afraid and um, just lock yourself out of it and try as much as possible Uh, as much as possible to stay away and I've ha I've heard someone on their Instagram they had uh, an IGTV of them talking about uh, why it's all men and why this argument is valid uh, when you're put in a pit of snakes whether they're harmless or harmful you're not gonna be checking each and every snake if they're gonna be harmful to you and bite you and actually kill you you're gonna see a pit of snakes and you're gonna be scared regardless. So that, that, I think that that was a very compelling argument. I would take it a step further and I would say, I understand that it is um, challenging to kind of be an adult male and, and, and wake up to all these realizations and wake up to this kind of renewed um, sense of awareness that people now have. I understand that things have been really, really easy for you for 30 years and now someone's saying you can't hug your colleague and tell her she has a nice ass or whatever and and that's very troubling for you i get it um my only thing is for the men who don't do this who claim it's not all men and every man has been made a demon i i also get that that's bothersome it, it's similar to arabs you know it's we we're, we get very agitated when someone says arabs are terrorists so and so blah 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 yeah. um but when these men are hanging out with their bros and they're i feel like i have no idea how men hang out <laughs> i then chips or video game i don't know my my reference points are like from friends or something but um when they hear their bro say something fucking disgusting do they say that's really creepy no i know most men feel Anchor. weird they just feel weird making 
if they are such a good person that they really have, uh, they're not misogynist, they're not sexist, they're perfectly nice people, um, and somebody says something awful in front of them, they feel weird standing up for women because they don't want to be seen as a loser or sensitive or a pussy. Oh, there's a word for that though. We have pick me girls and we have simps. So apparently a guy that's um, an ally is now called a simp for actually standing up for women. Which is really just mind-boggling. Like, it's so tiring at this point. Oh, is that what simp means? I thought that meant something totally different. Oh, did you? I, I, that's what I understood what it meant. I don't know. I'm, I'm extremely old, so I'm going to take your word for it. Let's Google what <laughs> simp means. Um, a silly or foolish person. I think that's the technical uh, word. Okay, so someone who does way too much for a person they like, most frequently a woman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like simps. What can I say? <laughs> Simp out. Um, I, I think the reason the pick me girls are the most um, offensive to my palate is because it's from an it's this brand of um, I think the reason that um, this kind of brand of misogyny that comes from women is particularly distasteful is because just of the mere fact that it comes from another woman as opposed to a man where I understand the rift in, in viewpoints. I understand how men don't understand for the most part the female condition or what women really go through or, you know, like I remember when the Me Too movement started happening and, and the overwhelming response from men in my life was there's no fucking way it's all these women got raped and assaulted i'm like i'm i'm telling you there is a fucking way we've been women for this amount of time every girl since she was nine years old i i think that the reason it's so offensive um when it comes from a woman this kind of internalized misogyny which is why i find the pick me girls completely it's like i'm bewildered by them i wouldn't even know where to start uh with them is because I think that men, for the most part, they're being honest when they, at least honest with when they don't understand what it is to be a woman. So, like when the Me Too movement happened, um, I was surrounded by men who were completely uh, dead set on saying, there's no way all these women got raped. There's no way everyone got raped. And I was like, yeah. You know, and I think that's why it was so normal for most women to be like, oh, of course I believe her. It's uh, been, this shit has been going on. We're all exposed to it since we're kids. And um, every woman from being an adolescent, we're even worse if before and then all the way through your adulthood, you're you know how common this is. So. And you know how easy it is that this could happen, uh, whether it's sexual assault or harassment or rape or anything of the kind. So I get that many men don't think this is real and are saying, oh, this could never be this bad and women are overreacting. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I think. I think um, we should do another episode on, do you know about incel culture? I want to say no, but sadly I do. Oh, <laughs> that's a good answer. <laughs> I really wish I didn't know about incel culture either. I got lost on like incel message boards once and it was... Ouch, no. <laughs> It, it's scary. It's scary. It is. Um, <laughs> certain people that you just... Whether it's like... Again, or like... Like, 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 like,
Like, are you not living in the same reality we are? Are you not going through what we are? What reason do you have to feel the need to stand against people who have the same experience that you are having? Well, that's a good question to end the show on. So we're going to put out a call to all the pick me girls. We know you don't think you're a pick me girl, but if you have found yourself saying something like, not all men rape or if you are saying something along the lines of you know a woman's role being gentle and not cursing and and taking care of the kids is a positive thing in society and men work very hard and they need to make all the money so if you if these things ring true to you come on the show and let's talk about them i want to hear what happened to you so that you are like this um maybe you'll convince me maybe i'll be like you uh, i feel like that would be a really fun episode yeah so call to all pick me girls who don't identify as a pick me girl come on the show email us podcast at beirut.com we'll be happy to have you on um Talene, this has been such a great chat i think the listeners really got um kind of a good idea of who you are and what you're all about and i'm hoping for more episodes down the line if you enjoyed yeah for sure this was super fun like i actually have the chance uh, in the podcast like being at home so uh, this was great Thank you so, so much. And be sure to listen to our other episodes on the channel and follow us on social media for more. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.